Yeah, 11 minutes it is before 8 p.m. It's the headlines here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, tonight uh, we take a look at, uh, of course, I guess we look at it in two parts, if I want uh, to say that. Because in the community focus in the next uh, 10 minutes or so, we'll head out to KZN and look at uh, the floods, uh, which have certainly been the headline. Uh, for today without a shadow of a doubt uh, but before we do that uh, as i said yesterday was the cut-off date for public comment on the draft preferential procurement regulations of 2022 and uh, one group that is planning a legal challenge to that draft which was released by the national treasury uh, following uh, the uh, concord judgment in the case brought before the concord by afri forum uh, and uh, yeah one group now that is challenging the draft regulations is uh, the black business federation and uh, saying that uh, this places black business at a disadvantage when bidding for government work I'm joined on the line by uh, the specialist advisor tabo masumbuga tabo good evening to you brother and welcome uh, good evening and good evening to your listeners at home yabonga tabo ayabonga ne <laughs> or ayabong. Yes, ayabong. Yeah, so it, it must serve the same people. Eh? No, akfan, Apologies for that. Right? Okay, no worries, man. Tabo, I mean, maybe talk us through, I guess, the issues here. And I, and I was explaining to the listeners earlier on uh, that um, in many ways, what we understand as, you know, this demand many people have made of 30% flows from the preferential procurement regulations of 2017 issued there. And I think it's Schedule 9 that talks about subcontracting, uh, which has certainly, I guess, riled up a lot of your members who would be contractors ostensibly that would benefit from subcontracting beyond 30 million or so. That is what was uh, the subject, I guess, of the core challenge and pre-qualification criteria. We are now at new draft regulations. Uh, Public comment closed yesterday. What is the issue that your client here, the Black Business Federation, has with the new draft preferential public procurement uh, regulations? All right, thanks, Ayabong. I think perhaps the human thing to start to do is perhaps to send our sincere condolences to the families and yes, the communities yes, indeed. who have perished through the flood in mm-hmm. Natal. Quite mm-hmm. sad and quite unfortunate. No, indeed, and, uh, my brother. To have a mother, you know, uh, losing a child, you know, and mm. not knowing to account for the whereabouts of their children as a result of such devastation is quite unfortunate. Yeah. But I think the, the, the issue here, I think um, what the PPF and many other community structures that we have interfaced with over the past 30 days since the, towards the, the close of the, uh, you know, public comments is that there is an utter misunderstanding of what the constitutional court ruling actually seeks to say. Mm. All right? The National Treasury has conveniently, you know, issued and published procurement regulations uh, for, for public comment, which erode completely what they shouldn't have done, the 2017 version, which has introduced what we call uh, 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 empowerment imperatives. Mm. We say this because if you have a proper reading and construct of the constitutional court ruling, the majority ruling that is, it says that the Minister of Finance didn't have the powers to issue regulations. It doesn't say that the regulations themselves mm, were sure. de facto illegal. In fact, what the court goes on to say that the, people, the minister didn't have the powers to issue 
uh, authority to have the authority to issue regulations of what exactly exists because the already the triple PSA empowers organs of state in their different uh, 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 authorities, which mm-hmm. are national, provincial, local, including their entities. But they already have this power embodied in them to issue regulations. So for the minister to have issued additional powers was out, uh, I mean, an, an exercise outside his authority. So, so, so wait, Baba, wait, 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 let's maybe pause here for a second so that yeah. I, I, I follow. Um, yeah. So, so the judgment is saying that the person who was not empowered to issue regulations that govern preference in state Correct. tenders is not the Minister of Finance, but organs of state themselves, right? But organs of state themselves, yes. yes. Now, what then is the function of these draft regulations if the Ministry of Finance and, by extension, the National Treasury is not empowered to issue guidelines or regulations? Why, why, right. why know, are we here? In our submission, in our submission and our interaction with the National Treasury and even state-owned enterprise procurement forum, we say, mm. the, minister, the National Treasury should be able to say, all right, this judgment reminds us that we shouldn't be issuing this, 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 this uh, regulation. Mm. What we should be doing is uh, we should be issuing advisory and guidance because here's the reality, Ayabola. Mm. A lot of organs of state in their various capacities, do not have the necessary capacity. Sure. All right? Neither do they have the technical expertise to be able to manage procurement at a massive scale. Mm. So they do place reliance quite uh, uh, significantly because uh, these are custodians of the fiscal or from the national and provincial treasuries. So what we say, instead of issuing uh, the, the, the procurement policy regulations in the manner that they do. Because look at what they did. They, they removed all the empowerment uh, 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 imperatives in the 2017, what you call, mm. and reverted back to the 20. Which ones? Which ones uh, were those? Which the imperatives? issued for public comment, which were chosen uh, on Monday. No, Prataba, I'm asking which ones did they exclude? So so which which transformation elements did they take out? The requirement for, uh, for, 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 for 51% black ownership, youth, disability, rural, the, the subcontracting, mm. and even the local content. So okay. the judgment okay. even goes on, Ayabonga, and says, these organs of state in issuing these preferential procurement policies should take into account the provisions allowed for in Section 217 of the Constitution. Yes. Section 217 of the Constitution is unambiguous. It says that when the, public, when the state issues goods, I mean, uh, uh, procurement of goods and services, it must take into account historically disadvantaged and designated groups, which we all know are black people, people in the rural areas, and communities in, uh, uh, who have never had opportunities to procure. So what the, what the, what the National Treasury has done in this instance, it has interpreted the judgment to mean that remove all the pre-qualification requirements, mm. which, are, which are all those empowerment provisions that I'm making. And we say... That was a misdirection. Okay. Because what you should have done, you should have said, hold on, the constitutional court has removed the powers to issue procurement regulation from the minister. It has reaffirmed the authority of organs of state mm. to issue such. We now issue these following guidance. Should you, as a, because have you, did you see what immediately happened? Immediately, weeks after that, Transnet went yeah, on trans- public mm. and said, yeah, Transnet mm. went on public and said, we're going to exclude the requirement for BE mm. in their what you call. Mm. And we're saying that's a complete misdirection sure, because sure. it allows 
a proliferation of misunderstanding by these organs of state. Because mm-hmm. now it's going to be and this is why mm. I, this is what I wanted to find out from you Tab yeah. that the implication of having thousands of organs of state or thousands of points of procurement if, if I might put it that way right yeah. from Sanral to Mgeni Water to Amatole Water Board to Limpo, uh, Malamulele Library Board just as an example right does yeah. that not create confusion for some of your members who might, for instance, be bidding uh, for contracts in different organs of state, but be subjected to different points or systems of preference uh, under the uh, triple PFA? It doesn't. Instead, what it does, Ayabonga, it allows an opportunity for what we call local procurement in a localized customized format. Okay. Having regard to the having regard to the peculiarities of those of those particular regions of those particular sectors. Let me make an example. Mm. The priorities in aviation, all right, are not the same as those in health and uh, agriculture. Do you mm. agree? I agree. So, so what, what that means is that if organs like AXA, which is a, 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 an organ company. of state mm. in the aviation space, will now have an opportunity to develop what is called a transformation procurement plan, mm. which takes into account the players, the challenges, the, the, the stakeholders in that particular sector, and it will develop a procurement policy that is in accordance with the peculiarities of that particular sector. Mm. Uh, mm. Uh, the same as agriculture, the same as health. So a transnet, for instance, it will now look at its procurement because now the risk with a national one-size-fits-all type of procurement regulation is that it's stifled. That is why you saw in construction the Delangarubona type of uh, uh, site mm. invasions in Durban because they were all demanding mm. 30%. Are, are they not your members? Are they not your members? No, no, we're saying they are, they are the members. Okay, but they are, okay. taking, they are taking procurement issues in their hands, for instance, because mm. they were saying you are using a one-size-fits-all to deal with issues that relate to us in, 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 for procurement in, in, in construction. In, in, in transport. That's why yeah. you saw mm. a, a number of communities in going to BMW, going to the pharmaceutical, for instance, and demanding 30%, because what you were doing, you were using a one-size-fits-all type of approach. But this judgment gave organs of state an opportunity to be able to do what is called specific sector customized transformation procurement plan, so that when an organ of state decides to allocate a certain amount of budget for, for procurement, mm. it is now taking into account what those stakeholders in the sectors are in transport, in health, in, 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 in aviation, in agriculture, in education. And you mentioned them so that you don't have this one size fits all. But through this published uh, one size fits all that the National Treasury has done, which is now, you know, talking to uh, the same 18, 20, 90, 10 type of a pre-qualification mm, criterion. Mm. We are now again allowing a scenario where organs of state will now have to rely on the same you are sort of uniform uh, uh, framework mm. to be able to deal sure. with sector-specific uh, uh, what you call. So the, we are saying, yeah, what the national treasury should have done, and this is where we want to see because the next step. Remember, on the closing date went on on Monday. Yesterday, right? yeah. All sectors, all stakeholders, 
have, 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 have submitted their, their, their submission and we've coordinated submission on behalf of the BBF, mm. our members, and many other stakeholders. When we make this input and when we remind the National Treasury, we say, hello, the National, I mean, the Constitutional Court didn't say uh, 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 remove a requirement for empowerment and localization and 30%. All the all the the the, 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 the constitutional court choice majority judgment mm. said, said reaffirm sure, the authority sure. of the organs of state to be able to issue these procurement regulations that sit yeah. and favor particular but there's a second element maybe to, to what you were saying, which I want you to maybe unpack a bit more. I think you've touched yes. on the sector specificity you are looking for, right? Correct. Um, yes. The other element you had said is localized. So in a sense, you know, if you know the dynamics of Msunduzi are such that you will create a particular type of preference, how would that play itself out? And maybe, you know, you might want to give us some examples on that one as well. So if you, if you want to emphasize your question again so that I'm able to give yes, you... Yes, so, so you had said earlier on that uh, why you support, for instance, the injunction of the Concord to affirm organs of state as Correct. in their thousands is one, because there are sector-specific things that you might want to target. And then you said the second part is a more localized type of uh, framing. And I wanted to hear you more just on that second one. Correct. So what we say is that, remember, in its current form, the regulations as advertised by the National Treasury having closed on Monday wipes out the so-called requirements for local content. And that, again, Ayabonga opens an avenue and an opportunity mm. for imported goods to come in the country in sectors where local firms and, and companies could have played out and be able to take advantage and supply those particular goods. So we're saying, if you don't factor in localization, you are then going to wipe out the capacity of small emerging. Let's go to the retail, for instance, the, 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 the retail sector, uh, even in the, in the clothing and textile. There are a lot of small emerging black players who are designing and developing their own clothing labels, for instance. Mm. All right? So if you have a... And we're saying those guys should be provided an opportunity to be able to supply their goods and their products to state. And it must not necessarily be on a generic scale. If it happened to, uh, for those who, who I want to focus on the tourism market in KZN, tourism market in the Eastern Cape, they must be able to be provided for mm. through a localized procurement plan. But if you keep it at a generic format, what you are able to, what you are then able to do, that's why you have seen very little of such small textile and clothing black emerging players entering the mainstream. But if you regionalize it and be able to say through a tourism spectrum or through a tourism-focused uh, transformation procurement play, we are then able to say, in this region, we will use localized logical... I mean, if you go to Devon, for an example, and you go through the, 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 the South Beach area, there are a whole lot of black women uh, uh, producers of, uh, of, of, of material which have got African textile and content, do you agree? But they do not find themselves featuring in the large-scale public sector procurement framework. So yeah. we are saying the, 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 a, a, a sector-specific uh, procurement plan will be then able to 
actually load them onto the system and they will not necessarily have to compete with someone mm. who is in Johannesburg sure, or someone okay. who is in Cape Town. All right. Here's a comment here coming through from one of our listeners, Bulelani Mbovum Kuyana, saying uh, advisory notes and guidance notes, as you are suggesting, are different to an instruction note or a regulation, I guess, and the organs of state do not have to adhere to them. However, the Auditor General of South Africa... Let me just finish the, the, the tweet. Oh, okay. the, yes. However, the Auditor General of South Africa may consider them, and that is advisory and guidance notes, when they audit organs of state. Uh, and uh, his view is that uh, your idea, Tabo, is going to lead to confusion. So he's saying, in a way, even if National Treasury issues this as an advisory or guidance note, there's no obligation on any organ of state to follow that. And even the Auditor General might consider, and you know, consider is a very light touch word when it comes to this. Your thoughts on this, and uh, I guess uh, the suggestion that this will lead to confusion. But remember, this happens in the context of, in the context of what we call a historical overlap. <laughs> and to us, historical over-reliance is, is what has happened over the years since the promulgation of the triple PFA, where everything that comes from the national treasury is God's way. And these people, uh, uh, if you interact, I mean, our members have interacted with them at the large scale in provincial and local government. They will not listen to anything except, I mean, until it comes from the national and provincial treasury. But listen to what the constitutional court judgment says. It says when it fits the minister's powers. It says the fact that organs of state were not doing what they should have done in terms of the authority that they had doesn't necessarily therefore mean that the minister had to issue those opinion policies. So in other words, to go back to the comments, the fact that a lot of organs of state had placed so much reliance and, and the, in fact, you must remember, the, uh, 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 the PSMA, I mean the triple PSA, does not absolve the National Treasury from issuing what is called uniform guidelines in terms of procurement policy. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you don't necessarily issue a, issue a, a preferential procurement policy, regulations that must be followed by everyone, but you can issue what is called u- uniform guidelines, mm-hmm. which must be followed, taking into account the sector specific. Because let's, have, let's be honest, the reality of the matter is that Government organs inter- interact with the economy at the various level of the economy, Ayabo. Mm. And these economic uh, challenges are usually not the same. That is why uh, the DTI through the Triple PE Act was even empowered, empowering the Minister to Section 951 to issue what is called Sector Transformation Code, mm. which were mm. taking into account the peculiarities of each industry in accordance with the economic challenges faced there. Mm. So it is not correct to say the, the, the guidelines and, 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 and advisory notes issued by the National Treasury to the extent that they are not sure. compulsory. Something yeah. should not necessarily yeah. be compulsory. Why should they be compulsory for them to be done? Because they need to be done because it is important for transformation in those various economic sectors where these organs of space overseas. Mm. So there's a problem with our state and it's, it's this institution. People require to be forced. People need to be forced for them to do something. What happened to what is called national imperative and national consciousness to drive transformation? Because that's what the court was in fact reminding them. It said these guidelines issued and these policy frameworks issued by these organs of state will still have to ensure that they don't, they pass the test of scrutiny sure. imposed by section 217 of the constitution, which yeah. talks about empowerment imperatives.
Pratabo, last question on my end, uh, and I and I think you make a very important point there, saying that this issue of sector specificity is not unique to preferential procurement, but even in the case of the Triple B Act, it's there uh, in the form of sector codes. Uh, and uh, I think uh, that's a very important point that you're making there. Maybe just a last one. It does Correct. seem to me, certainly from your comments earlier on, and even uh, the point that you just made now on this issue of sector specificity, and the power or empowering organs of state to create their own systems of preference, uh, that inadvertently you might be in support, maybe not of the circumstances that led to the Concord challenge, but uh, you are in support of the outcome uh, that effectively came out of that uh, Concord challenge that came from AfriForum. Correct. Look, we're at a stage where it doesn't matter who litigates, but we're interested on the objective outcomes of the litigation. But here's the thing. Government must stop uh, this scenario where they have to be pushed by courts to do certain things. Because the Black Business Forum, Black Business Council, many other stakeholders have for over years been, uh, they've been saying, let's scrap the triple PSA, replace it with this, what is called, which is now in the pipeline, the Public Procurement Bill, Public Procurement Act, right? Mm. Which is going to ensure that, why is it ensure that the procurement of goods and services by the state is done at the fairest, transparent, cost-effective manner. It must not always be at expense, and it must always be in conjunction with mm. matters relating to transformation, because the state, through all its organs and forms, is the biggest consumer and the buyer of goods and services in the country. Through the state budget, we are able to radically drive mm. economic transformation in a manner that the, 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 the private sector will not be able to do. Remember, the state leads and the private sector follows. So if you do not have that revolutionary progressive uh, driving force within the sector and government to be able to ensure that there's effective implementation of transformation, the mm. public sector is going to fold its arms and say, yeah, Pratabo. government doesn't do it, why should we? Pratabo? We're going to have to leave it here. It's so unfortunate that we've run out of time. And uh, thank you so much uh, for, I guess, uh, uh, what I've certainly enjoyed as a conversation. So, Isandla's Lulikanda, Sbonge, Charlie, Sbonge, Tabet. Thanks a lot, my friend.